Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The 2021 MLB season is here, and although the seats may not be full, your bankroll has the chance to be. Greg Hoops Peterson has you covered for every game, every day this season, along with comprehensive analysis and angles for getting to the window while celebrating the walk-off winners and blown saves of what will be a wild season. Now it is time for the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson. A warm up, lovely low. Welcome to Lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. We've got a great podcast for you. As Jason Radowitz does a great job over there with SBR Sports Picks, aka Sportsbook Review. Going to be joining me in the second segment. We're going to be taking a look at the card for Wednesday, a card in which has seen a lot of pitching changes, even some of the games that we want to mentioning, like the Philadelphia Phillies and the Miami Marlins are having pitching changes because of last second things. We've been noticing this a lot since the All Star break happens very often the week after the All-Star break. So we're going to be asking a little bit about that. We're going to be asking what's all been working with him. He's going to be bringing up something that you're able to do with derivative team totals as well, taking them for the first five innings. So we're going to have a lot of fun there. He is someone that loves to fade bad pitchers. So you guys should have a good time with that. And then in the final segment, going to give you guys side total on every game on the betting board for this Wednesday. And a little something you like to call touch them all first things first. Always love to be able to answer Twitter questions on this podcast. You got one or two ways to be up right those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at JRSquarty1. Keep in mind, letters ZM. They mean does not matter, size so per usual. Send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to send in your questions, comments, segment ideas, what have you into there. Did not wind up getting in any questions today, but we had a fun day of baseball on Tuesday. So let's take a look back and try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. What happened yesterday? Let's go around the bases and find out. One team from Milwaukee won a title on Tuesday. One team lost the Kansas City Royals by a count of 5-2. to two. 
the Milwaukee Brewers wind up following in this one as Brett Anderson gets a start in. Not a bad start by him. He gives up two runs over the course of five innings. He did give up a home run in the process as going deep for the Royals off of him. One Ode Soler, who's had a very disappointing season so far this year, is eighth home run the season. Ryan O'Hearn would go deep later off of Hunter Strickland for his seventh of the campaign as Strickland winds up going one and two-thirds innings, giving up two runs. You have Miguel de Sanchez give up a run while being able to get four outs on El Perdomo. Was able to give you a scoreless setting as well, but for the Milwaukee Brewers, just two of 11 with Bennett's scoring position as Mike Miner. He was a major reason why the Royals were able to win this game. Gives up two runs, one of which was earned over the course of six innings. He was hurt by a 100 Dozier error, but still was able to overcome it. Jake Brents, Kyle Zimmer combined for a scoreless inning after Brents gives up three hits while getting just one out. And then from there, Zimmer is able to clean it up. Scott Barlow, Greg Holland, they both give you a scoreless inning. So the Royals, a team that has been scuffling a lot recently, they get it done against a Brewers bunch as now lost four straight at home, but have won three straight on the road. So go figure there. The Oakland A's were able to shut out the LA Angels, and now the LA Angels have lost 9 out of their last 11 games against American League West teams, and now they have lost 4 straight games as well. 6-0, to zero, the final for the Angels. Nothing doing in this one. They leave 10 men on base, 0-9 with men in scoring position. You just weren't able to get the line moving as Adam Eaton was able to give the team 2 out of their 7 hits in this one as Jose Suarez did not give you the start that you were looking for out of him either. Out of the bullpen, he's got like a career four ERA as a starter. It's north of seven. Gives up four runs in five and two-thirds innings, including a homer. Mike Myers was able to get the team out of the sixth without any further damage. Junior Guerra gives up two runs in an inning. And Dylan, don't call me Al Bundy, was able to give a scoreless eighth inning. It's going deep for the Oakland A's. Madelson, 25th homer on the season. And James Caparillion continues to look amazing for the Oakland A's. Six scoreless innings in this one. Sergio Romo. Along with Diolis, Carrera, and Samo, able to give you scoreless settings from there. The Oakland A's wind up getting it done in that one. The Washington Nationals have actually scored the most runs in the big leagues over the last three days, and they take it to the Miami Marlins by a count of 6-3. For the Nets, you were able to get a home run off the bat of Josh Bell, his 14th home run of the season, as Paulo Espino gave a terrific start in this one. Five scoreless settings. From there, Austin both. Winds up jacking up his ERA a little bit, gives up three runs in an inning, but Kyle Finnegan, Danny Hudson, Brad Hand, all he would give you scoreless settings to be able to complete the job as for the Miami Marlins. Trevor Rogers probably like to have given a little bit more length here, goes 78 pitches in five innings, giving up two runs, and then the bullpen just completely imploded from there. Richard Blyer gives up three runs in two-thirds of an inning. Anthony Bender was able to give you an out without giving up a run. John Curtis with two S's gives you a scoreless inning, and then Stephen Okert winds up going in inning, and he winds up giving up a run, and for the Miami Marlins, they were able to get a home run off the bat of Adam Duvall that came off of Mr. Voth, his 21st home run of the season, and that was pretty much the lone form of offense that the Miami Marlins wound up getting, and for the Miami Marlins, this is a team that has now scored four runs or fewer in all but one of their games coming back from the All-Star break, so things have not necessarily been going well on that front. Things are not going well on the front of the Baltimore Orioles. John Means makes his first start in quite a while off the injured list, and he did not look good. 9-3, the Rays were able to get the wins for Means. He winds up giving up five runs and five innings, including a pair of bombs. Sean Anderson, one of the worst relievers that you're going to find in the big leagues, goes an inning, gives up four runs, three of which were earned, and Cesar Valdez, two scoreless innings for the Orioles. That was nice. Well, was that nice for the Orioles? Going one of 11 with men in scoring position as the Rays wind up trotting out their Shane McClanahan, and he gave a solid start. Gives up one run over the course of five innings. Has now given up three runs or fewer in each out of his last six starts. 
Andrew Kittrich along Jeffrey Springs. We're both able to give you a scoreless inning. Diego Casio as well. JP Fireisen does give up two runs in a third of an inning. They were both unearned runs as there was a quadrant of errors out there in the field. By the Tampa Bay Rays, Pete Fairbanks, he was able to get the remaining two outs of the eighth inning up for the race. Pair of home runs in this one. Randy Arozarena goes deep for the first time in nearly a month. His 11th of the season. And Francisco Mejia was able to get his fourth home run of the campaign. So the Tampa Bay Rays trying to close in on that AL East lead. They are now just a game back after the Boston Red Sox and the Toronto, a.k.a. Buffalo Blue Jays game wound up getting rained out on Tuesday, so there was no result there. The Atlanta Braves, they were able to get a good result against the Slam Diego Padres, getting a 2-1 win. Tuki Dusant makes his first start of the year, and he looked absolutely amazing. Six and two-thirds innings, he gives up one run. If he could just rein it in with the command, he had only two walks in this one. He is going to be someone that the Braves are going to be looking to moving forward. Chris Martin, Will Smith, they both get jiggy with it. Scoreless innings from there, and Tyler Madzik, he winds up going a third of an inning, not giving up anything, and for the Atlanta Braves, Freddie Freeman was able to deliver the big shot in this one. 22nd home run the season. That comes off of one. Hugh Darvish, who winds up giving up two runs in five and two-thirds innings, including that homer. Pierce Johnson, Austin Adams, both give you a scoreless setting, and Tim Hill was able to get the team out of the sixth, getting it out without giving up a run before the Padres. Just nothing doing on offense in this one after they wound up lighting it up in Washington, D.C., getting a combined 41 runs in three games, just one run in this one, so a little bit of sinkage. The New York Post play of the day hit as the Detroit Tigres wind up taking down the Texas Rangers by a count of 4-1. to one. Dane Dunning unable to get her Dunning. Four and two-thirds innings. He gives up three runs, all of which were and has been vastly different home to road so far this year. Gives up two home runs in the process, going deep for the Tigres. Robbie Grossman, 14th home run of the season. Eric Ass was able to give you his 14th home run of the season as well. Might be Haas. One of those two. I know that there is a coach over there at Stanford by the name of Jared Haas. So that's why I wound up trying to say that. Hopefully I got one of them correctly. Dennis Santana, two scoreless innings out of the bullpen. Josh Shorbich, he gives up a run and one and a third innings. And Tariq Skubal, continuing to pitch well for the Detroit Tigers, goes six innings, giving up one run. Team is now 8-5 and five in his last 13 starts. Kyle Funkhauser, OZC Serrano, Gregory Soto. All able to give you scoreless settings out of the bullpen as well. So the Tigers, they wind up avoiding landmines. They get the job done. The Cincinnati Reds get their first win since the All-Star break. 4-3 the final for the Metropolitans. It was a bullpen game in this one. Robert Sock gives up a run in an inning as the opener. Steven Nagosik, he winds up going three innings, giving up two runs. From there, you wind up having... Yancey Diaz, along with Drew Smith and Aaron Loop, all give you a scoreless inning. In the case of Loop, it was two-thirds of an inning. Jeff Harp-Leap winds up coming in for frogs. He gives up a run in the process. And for the Mets, they were able to get a home run off the bat of Pete Alonso, 19th of the season, second since the All-Star break. So he has not been slowed down by the home run derby. But the Cincinnati Reds, they were trying to put on a home run derby in this one. Aristides Aquino goes deep off of Mr. Nagosik. His sixth home run the season, Robert Sock. Gives up a leadoff home run to Jonathan India, his eighth of the season, and Nagosik winds up giving one up to Joey Votto, his twelfth of the season, and Wade Miley was having a party out there in Cincinnati. He gets the win going. Six and a third innings, giving up two runs, one of which was earned. He gave up that homer to Pete Alonso. Brad Brock was able to get two outs to get the team out of the seventh inning. Eth Embry gives up a run in an inning, but Amir Garrett lowers his ERA to a 675 with a scoreless inning, and the Mets all of a sudden are seeing their lead shrink out there in the American League East, but the Phillies didn't do anything to make up ground as they're still two and a half back. They wind up losing to the New York Yankees by a count of six of four for the Phillies. Pair of home runs in this one. Reese Hoskins, 21st home run of the season, and Andrew McCutcheon gets his 17th of the season. The McCutcheon home run comes off of Araldis Chamin, who came in and got the save, but he did give up a solo home run in the ninth inning for Domingo Orban. 
Not a great start, not a terrible one. They've sort of been using him for short starts along with out of the bullpen, so it's been interesting to watch Eddie gives up two runs over the course of four innings. Bullpen was actually very good in this one. Zach Britton does give up a run in an inning. He's fresh off the injured list, so you want to note that. But Chad Green, Luis Sessa, goodbye for two scoreless settings. Lucas Lutige winds up giving you a scoreless setting. And Aaron Nola, he throughout his career has had a ERA more than a full point higher on the road than it is at home, and in this one, he did not look good. Five and a third innings, giving up four runs to a Yankees team that has just been completely gutted by COVID-19. Jose Alvarado was able to give you a pair of outs out of the bullpen, and then Aniel De Los Santos along with Brandon Kitzler both give up solo home runs in an inning out of the bullpen. Going deep for the Yankees, Brett Gardner off of Aaron Nola. It's as if it's a 2016 matchup as he gets his fourth home run of the season. John Carlos San goes deep off of Brandon Kitzler. 16th home run of the season. Gary Sanchez gets his 17th. That was off of Mr. Super Nola. And then a gentleman that I've never heard of before in my life, Esteban Florial, winds up getting his first home run of the season. That winds up coming off of Mr. De Los Santos. So the Yankees are able to get that win. And ever since they've been ravaged by COVID, have actually not been playing too bad. The White Sox are not playing too bad either. And they wind up putting up a five spot in the eighth inning to be able to take down the Minnesota Twins by a count of nine to five. For the Twins, Bailey Ober, not necessarily a great start. That's what you expect at this point. Gives up four runs, three of which were earned over the course of five innings. Caleb Theobar and Alex Colomay combined for two scoreless innings, and then the floodgates open from there. Jorge Alcala gets one out and gives up three runs, and then Enzo Robles gives up two runs in a third of an inning before Danny Colombe was able to give you a third of an inning without giving up a run. Jose Abreu winds up taking Mr. Robles deep. 18th home run of the season, now has 75 RBI, as that was a three-run shot in Yohan Moncada. Earlier in the game, goes deep off of Bailey Ober. Eighth home run of the season for Dallas Keiko. He does give up a home run. Two runs in total over the course of five innings. Michael Kopech comes in for two innings, giving up a run. And then Ryan Burr, who had given up, I believe, just two runs all season long prior to this. He gives up two runs in an inning, giving up a home run as well. Liam Hendricks was able to get things taken care of in the ninth inning as he was able to give you a scoreless inning going deep for the Minnesota Twins. Trio of home runs. Ore Palanco, 13th home run of the season. Josh Donaldson, 15th home run of the season. Max Kepler is 11th, but not enough for a Minnesota Twins team that has just not been pitching well in general. You want to see some bad pitching? The St. Louis Cardinals. They give up a six spot in the ninth inning to lose the Chicago Cubs by a count of seven to six. They enter into the ninth inning up by five runs, and then Alex Reyes, who has been money all year long, completely gives this game away along with Luis Garcia. How about you don't mess with the Johan Oviedo, giving you one run given up in five innings. Actually, a very good start. Prior to this, the St. Louis Cardinals throughout their lifetime with Johan Oviedo on the mound. 3-14. They are now 3-15 in games in which he pitches in. Genesis Cabrera, Ryan Elsley, along Justin Miller. I'll give you scoreless innings and then Mr. Luis Garcia. Gives up three runs without getting it out. Alex Reyes gives up three runs, all of which were earned in a third of an inning. Giovanni Gallegos finally puts out the fire in the ninth inning, being able to get those pair of outs in them for the St. Louis Cardinals. They got a trio of home runs in this one. Tommy Edmond, sixth home run of the season. Nolan Arenado was able to go deep for his 18th home run of the season. And then you wind up getting a pitch a home run off of the bat of Jose Rondon, his first home run of the season as for the Chicago Cubs. This was not the start you were looking for at Trevor Richards. He gives up four runs over the course of five innings, all of which were earned. Rex Brothers, he has been terrible out of the bullpen recently. He gives up two runs in an inning. From there, Ryan Tabera, Dale Maples give you a scoreless inning, and Craig Kimbrell gets a save opportunity, and he slams it down. He gets his 22nd save of the season, scoreless inning. Now is a 0-52 ERA for the Cubs. They go 3 of 11 with men in scoring position. They don't get any homers, but they take advantage of what was one of the worst implosions I've seen all year long 
from the St. Louis Cardinals bullpen. The Seattle Mariners are now 51 and 44 with a run differential that is negative 49. They take down the Colorado Rockies in course, where the Rockies are actually in the top five of the National League with regards to home win percentage. Six to four of the final, and this is one one Marco Gonzalez, a relatively solid start. He gives up two runs over the course of five innings, giving up a home run in the process. Paul Sewell, who has really been a rock for this Mariners bullpen all year long. He gives up two runs, including a homer in an inning, but Kendall Graveman, Drew Steckenrider, JT Chargois, all now have 230 ERAs or less as they all give you a scoreless setting. And for Dylan Moore, gets his ninth homer on the season. That comes off of one, Odeman Marquez, who is prone to bad starts, and he had one in this one. Gives up four runs over the course of six innings, giving up that home run. From there, you wind up getting two-thirds of an inning out of Tyler Kinley. Gives up two runs in the process. Ben Bowden was able to get the team out of the seventh, not giving up a run while being able to get it out. Lucas Gilbreth along with... Carlos Estevez give you a scoreless setting, and for the Colorado Rockies, pair of home runs in this one. C.J. Crone, his 11th home run of the season at Coors, 14th overall. That comes off of Seawalt, and then you were able to get the first home run of the season out of an unlikely source in Mr. Connor Joe. And for the Colorado Rockies, they do go 2 of 9 with men in scoring position, but they wind up taking the L in this one. The Arizona Diamondbacks wind up putting up an 8 spot in the 7th inning. I kid you not, to win their third straight game by a count of 11-6, the Onion is not reporting this. For the Pittsburgh Pirates, you were able to get a pair of home runs. Gregory Palunco goes deep for a seventh home run of the season, and then you wind up getting the first home run as a Pittsburgh Pirate off the bat of John Nagosich. He wound up beginning his career with the St. Louis Cardinals' first career home run, so good on him for that. For the Arizona Diamondbacks, they do not wind up getting any homers, but they go 7-16 of 16 with men in scoring position. For their starter, Mr. Taylor Widener, well, he widened his ERA. He gives up five runs over the course of four and two-thirds innings, giving up both of those homers. And the Arizona Diamondbacks, who entered into this game with right around a 6-7 ERA over the last 30 days, they were solid. J.B. Burkakis gives you a scoreless inning. Matt Peacock goes two innings. He gives up a run. Jake Feria, one and a third innings, scoreless for him. And for the Pittsburgh Pirates, Tyler Anderson, not a bad start in this one. Gives up three runs over the course of six innings. And then Clay Holmes winds up going two-thirds of an inning. He gives up four runs. Austin Davis did him one better. One-third of an inning, giving up four runs. And then you wind up having to send in there Nick Mears to be able to give you a scoreless inning, and he did so. But an absolutely terrible loss for an absolutely terrible team in the Pittsburgh Pirates. Speaking of terrible, that's what the Cleveland Indians are looking like right now. They wind up losing to the Houston Astros by kind of 9-3. to Justin McKenzie has had command issues all year long, and he only gives up one walk and four innings in this one, but gives up five runs, all of which were including a pair of homers. Going deep for the Houston Astros. Mr. Jose Altuve off of him, not once, but twice. 21st and 22nd home runs of the season. And then Nick Sandlin winds up serving one up to Kyle Tucker. 16th home run of the season for Sandlin. Two-thirds of an inning. He gives up three runs, all of which were earned. Justin Garza winds up coming in in long relief and actually didn't look bad. Three and a third innings. He gives up a run. And for the Cleveland Indians, they go two of 11 with Bennett's scoring position as Luis Garcia. Six scoreless innings in this one. You wind up having Brian Abreu give you a scoreless inning. Josh Smith is looking not so good out there in the Astros bullpen. Now he's 7 ERA, three runs given up in an inning, but this game was relatively decided by then, and Blake Taylor able to come in for mop-up work. He was able to give you a scoreless inning in his stint. And on a day in which we saw quite a few late leads blown, the San Francisco Giants had one of their own, losing to the LA Dodgers by a count of 8-6. to six. The Giants get up on this one very, very early as they wind up leading by a count of 6-1 going into the bottom of the fifth. Dodgers are able to rally from there as Alex Wood, the former Dodger, Gives up three runs over the course of five innings, including Homer. John Breba from there 
Gives up two runs in two-thirds of an inning. Jarlin Garcia was able to give you four outside the bullpen. Jake McGee gives you a scoreless inning. And then it was Tyler Rogers who came on to protect a 6-5 lead. And instead, he gives up a walk-off three-run homer to Will Smith, who gets jiggy with it for his 12th homer on the season. Chris Taylor, prior to that, got his 12th and 13th home runs of the season for Mr. Darian Nunez. He served as an opener for Josiah Gray in his MLB debut. And these two guys did not look good for Gray. Gives up four runs in four innings, including three home runs. Give it up, Nunez. Gives up two runs in two innings, including Homer. The rest of the bullpen was able to do their part. Jimmy Shurfee, the former Giant, was able to give you a scoreless setting. Joe Kelly along with Garrett Clevenger both give you a combined two scoreless innings. And for the San Francisco Giants going deep in this one, Austin Dickerson, ninth home run of the season. Mikey Stremski is 15th. Ario Estrada is 2nd. And Lamonte Wade Jr. is ninth. But for the Dodgers, they are able to get a win that they desperately need. But the good news for the San Francisco Giants is if they wind up going 500 the rest of the year, they would have 93 wins. So it has been absolutely incredible to watch them this year. And what else is incredible is just taking a look at all the betting trends that we've got right now. If you're taking a look at favorites, they're ending at a 58.6% clip, 8.20 and 5.79 overall for the year. Overs have a slight advantage over unders at this point. 686 overs to 666 unders overall this year. That is an overclip of 50.7%. Home teams have been doing quite well as well. 781 and 632. That is a 55.3% win rate for home teams. If you're looking over the last 30 days, that balloons to 55.9%. 194 and 153 in that time span. And favorites are doing very well the last 30 days. 204 and 139, that is 59.5%. And in that time span, really the start of the crackdown on the sticky substances by pitchers, 165 overs, 161 unders. So overs are in at a clip of 50.6% there. And if you're just looking at the last seven days, so ever since the all-star break wound up wrapping up, overs are really killing it right now. 37 overs, 27 unders, 57.8% clip, and in that time, favorites, 32 and 35. So we've seen a lot of craziness in baseball so far this season, and a man that has done a great job of being able to persevere through all of it, that would be our good friend Jason Reitowitz over there at SBREK Sportsbook Review, odds checker, along with the game day MLB. We're going to be chatting with him next about some of the games that we're going to be seeing from Tuesday. Unfortunately, we had a couple pitching changes, but great information regardless with our good buddy Jason Reitowitz. That is coming up on the other side right here on the Baseball Wedding Podcast with myself, Dave Peterson. Greg is calling in a pinch hitter from the Overtime Network Hotline. Thank you, love you, Las Vegas, for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Always great to be joined by this guest. As he does terrific work over there at SBREK Sportsbook Review. Now doing some work with the Game Day MLB, along with Odds Checker as well. As this is a man that you're able to hear on Sportsbook Review, a.k.a. SBR, from Monday through Friday. He does an afternoon show every day looking at the MLB, and he handicaps a wide variety of sports. Does so very well. As it is Jason Reidowitz joining me on the podcast you're able to follow him at his name, at Jason underscore Radowitz. I say it's spelled R-A-D-O-W-I-T-Z. And Jason, always great to have you aboard. Thank you so much for joining me. Of course. I appreciate you having me. The MLB season has been a lot of fun. I would say for the last month or so, I've been really, really hot, finally turning things around. I think that's just a big lesson for everyone out there, especially for a league like the MLB with so many games. You're going to have some bad stretches. You're going to have some good stretches, but you're probably going to have more good stretches than bad stretches if you're able to withstand those bad ones and continue on for the entire season. So for everyone out there, just keep on hitting. 
just keep on going with your data. You'll be profitable at the end of the year. It's just like what our good buddy Josh Towers always says. He used to be a former MOB pitcher. He always says that you're going to have five really, really good starts, five really, really bad starts in a season as a major league pitcher. It's what you do sort of in those in-between that really define who you are. And I think a lot of that comes down to consistency, always giving a good effort. If you do that in these sort of in-between periods, you're always going to come out and you're maybe not going to be making like $100 million billion or anything like that, but you're certainly going to be more successful than those that sort of slough off, get down on themselves, things of this nature. And we know that there are some teams that seems like have gotten down on themselves a little bit, like the Arizona Diamondbacks, the Pittsburgh Pirates. So you've got some very fade-worthy teams. But what I think is very interesting is that as of right now, the biggest line that we're seeing for Wednesday is this Cleveland Indians versus Houston Astros game. And, well, Eli Morgan has been a fade, to say the least. It's not been a good year for him. He's going up against a guy in Lance McCullers Jr. He's got a career ERA about running at floor in Houston that he does on the road. But for Eli Morgan, he has given up nine home runs at 26 and a third innings. I can't remember the last time I've seen a starting pitcher give up four more home runs than he has walks, but that is what we've got with Eli Morgan. These are the sorts of spreads where, unless if there's just a very, very, very compelling case for the money line, or it's just a sport that isn't baseball, like boxing, for example, I'm just not going to lay like a minus 250 number. But how do you, how do you personally evaluate games like this Indians versus Astros game where you've got a sky-high spread. Yeah, for me personally, I take a lot of team totals and first five overs and full game overs, depending on the pitchers, especially in games like this. You can go and take the Astros in the first five on the team total. DraftKings just brought that onto their platform, and it's also on a couple other platforms, and it's getting more popular around the industry. But the Indians, they still have a good bullpen. And so once Morgan comes out, and usually it's pretty quick, then you've got the Indians' bullpen. You know, that's when it gets a little bit harder to hit the ball and score some runs. So for me, in this spot, I would look at the Astros in the first five on the team total, probably around two and a half. Now, if you get two home runs against Eli Morgan, and that's something he's done a lot, is giving up some home runs. You get two home runs, and then one of those with a guy on base – or one of them with the two guys on base, you already cash your ticket just like that. And then you don't have to worry about staying up until 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock at night, sweating mm-hmm. out a game when you could have already won it in the first, second, third, fourth, at worst, fifth inning. That's how I would look at it. Absolutely. And even if it winds up losing, well, at the very least, you didn't have to stay up the full nine innings <laughs> to watch it. You can yeah. go watch Desperate Housewives after the fifth inning or something like that. So you do have that as well. What else I think is going to be fascinating is taking a look at some of these teams that we know are going to be sellers in these next few days. The Chicago Cubs have already come out and said that they are going to be sellers at the trade deadline. And as we're seeing their game against the St. Louis Cardinals right now, they're anywhere between a pick to a slight underdog. Seeing them right in that pocket of about a minus 105. Seeing a straight plus 101 out there with the Chicago Cubs. They've got Kyle Hendricks going, who's been able to win 12 games so far this year, but I think we'd both agree. Probably not the guy that's worthy of winning 12 games at this point. And he's going up against a guy in Adam Wainwright, who is a sub-3 ERA at home so far this year, has been vastly different in St. Louis rather than on the road. How do you gauge teams like a Chicago Cubs, who they're coming up on the trade deadline? We know that they're going to be selling off pieces within these next few days because I feel like you could take one or two approaches. These guys are going to be moping around. They're going to be feeling sorry for themselves. And it's just not going to be a good result. 
or you could take the approach of these guys are trying to make themselves look as good on the market as humanly possible, try to up their stock, maybe work for that future contract. And I think it could really work either way when it comes to the Chicago Cubs, a team that has been around for a very long time, and it looks like they're going to get split up. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Kyle Hendricks was so bad at the start of the season, and now just racking up wins after win, especially with this Cubs team playing so poorly to begin with. But yeah, like you said, he's obviously not worthy of 12 wins, but he is worthy to a roster that wants to be competitive going into the playoffs and whatnot. So he's a great arm. He can go a long distance in games, and that's something that's really valuable, especially in the playoffs or during the season in general, so you don't have to worry about going to your bullpen early in games. So Hendricks could be a little addition to any real contender out there. Would he be involved in a Chris Bryant trade? I'm not so sure. But if a team's looking for a starter, Hendricks would be that guy. And seeing that he has 12 wins on the year, it shows you that he's keeping his teams in games it's showing you that he's giving his team a chance to win every single game that he's out there. So I like Hendricks. I think he's a quality pitcher, despite him being a contact pitcher and said, I'm not getting any strikeouts. This is an interesting game. Like the Cardinals, they should be a lot better than they are too. They're only 47 and 47 by the time talking and they're basically next to the Cubs in the standings in the NL Central. So if the Cubs are sellers, the Cardinals should be too. Although the Cardinals with getting Arenado aren't going to want to face that and they'll probably try to go by think that they can make the playoffs so two interesting teams right here cardinals probably think that they can make it while the cubs are going to just scrap up their team and move on for the future i think that that's such a good point that you make with the st louis cardinals because a team typically with their record they would not look to be buyers at the deadline but they've already invested a lot in this team and as we know the st louis cardinals well at the very least i know as a milwaukee bears fan are sort of like that road jet. They just will not die ever. It's just absolutely insane. It feels like year in and year out, you can rely upon three things, death taxes and the St. Louis Cardinals being one of the peskiest teams out there in the MLB. As we do have Jason Radowitz of SBREK Sportsbook Review joining me on the podcast. Then I think we've got a really interesting one going down in the Bronx. I know that you're near and dear to the city in general. I know you're a little bit more of a Mets fan, but you've got the Yankees facing off against the Philadelphia Phillies. Currently, the only number I'm seeing on this game is at DraftKings, and they've got the Yankees with Azure Wo- with Asher Wojciechowski as a minus one fifty five favorite. Now, I'm not saying that Matt Moore on the other side is terrific by any stretch of the imagination. I would say that he's below average, but you take a look at Mister Wojciechowski. Spent the last few years with the Baltimore Orioles. This is going to be his first MLB start of the season. He's giving up north of two career home runs per nine innings. Guy is legitimately not been good at all. He doesn't get strikeouts. He's not a guy that does a good job of keeping the ball in the yard. A career 595 ERA. Now, once again, a lot of these starts wound up coming with the Baltimore Orioles, but I just don't see why the Yankees are a minus 155 favorite in this spot, even though it is the Philadelphia Phillies and Matt Moore. Yeah, look, this seems like an over spot. We'll see how the weather is, but both pitchers obviously are not the greatest. I mean, even Matt Moore was out of the league not too long ago playing in Japan. So yeah, I think we'll probably see a lot of runs in this game. Don't understand just like you why the money line is like that. You know, it could be because some books don't know who's actually going to be the starter and some do. So that could be another reason lines could shift by the time you guys are hearing this. But either way, I think that we'll see a lot of runs in this game. Yeah, I'm seeing a total of nine right now. And I'm thinking that's a little bit too low. I mean, you've got Yankee <laughs> Stadium. I recognize it. You've got 
everything that's going on with Aaron Judge being out with COVID-19, couple others for the Yankees as well. But that also impacts their bullpen with guys like Jonathan Luizaga company out as well. And, well, the Phillies bullpen wasn't good to start with. So you've got a whole lot of that going on, as we do have Jason Radowitz joining me on the podcast and Jason, what I think is very interesting is that over the last 30 days, the team that has scored the most runs in the big leagues is actually the Washington Nationals. They are going to have Mr. Eric Fetty taking the mound for them on Wednesday. It's going to be interesting to see what you get out of him because we've actually seen some moments of brightness out of Aaron, out of Eric Fetty so far this year. We've also seen him look really, really bad in some spots as well. Looks like it's going to be Mr. Sandy Alicantra on the other end for the Miami Marlins, who has just been a victim of bad luck right around a 3-2-5 ERA, but a 5-9 and record. Hasn't necessarily been pitching his best the last few starts, giving up at least five runs and three out of his last four, but a lot of those are via unearned runs as well. How do you gauge a guy like Alcantara that he's got a pretty good ERA, but he's taking a lot of losses because in three out of his last four starts, the defense behind him has had errors, and that has led to unearned runs because I do find it a little bit baffling when you wind up having a pitcher like Alcantara. Whenever I see him, he looks pretty darn solid. He just can't get wins to save his life. Yeah, and it looks like Sandy Alcantara is actually going to be on the bereavement list. So I don't think he'll be pitching in this game. That kind of wrecks everything when it comes to Sandy Alcantara playing in this game. But on the other side, Eric Fetty, obviously 5.32 ERA, 4-7 and seven on the season. He hasn't been great. He did have a little bit of you know, a good stretch in the middle of the season, but now he's back to being the guy that you want to fade. So the Marlins, obviously their offense, even against Sean Lester, couldn't do damage to start the series. So can't really expect too much out of the Marlins offense. They've been terrible throughout the entire year. So this is a game that I likely won't be touching, but the Marlins do have a chance at scoring some runs against Fetty. You know, if they decide to throw out in a major league lineup. I don't blame you for not wanting to touch this one to your point. It does look like Sandy Alcantara going to be scratched from this one as we've got good old to be determined now for the Miami Marlins, which that probably means a bullpen game and Miami Marlins bullpen games have not been going too spectacularly for them. And <laughs> when you take a look at the board for Wednesday, is there anything else that you're looking at, whether it's just something to be able to take a look at for perhaps futures bets, maybe a future play, what have you? or just something that you're going to be looking to fire on for Wednesday? Because behind the curtain, as we're doing this podcast right now, there is a lot of games that are off the board because we've got a couple undecided starters as teams have just been mixing and matching ever since the trade deadline, trying to set up their rotation, and it has thrown things out of sorts the last seven days. So I salute anyone that has been doing this the last seven days. It certainly has been a mess, but is there anything that you might be looking at for Wednesday's card? So you got that Red Sox-Blue Jays game. That's a big game. You got Robbie Ray, who's really, really improved this year compared to last year. That should be a really, really fun matchup, and there's a lot of games that I might look at in terms of fading the starting pitcher. That's what I do right now, and it's really worked for me. The big game, obviously, is the Royals and Brewers. Brad Keller versus Eric Lohler. Both of those guys have had their ups and downs throughout the year, and especially Keller, who still has a 6 ERA or 5.97 ERA, and he has nine losses on the year as well. And then also the Royals. They're, they're an offense that they're not terrific, but they do have a ton of righties, and they do hit lefties at a solid rate. And that's what Eric Lohler is for the Brewers, a lefty, and can get rocked by righties like the Royals. So, I'll be looking at all these matchups, and there's a lot of different pitchers that we can start fading because we're now getting to the four and five starters in the rotation since the All-Star break, and those are always fun to fade. Oh, yes. Uh, Brad Keller versus Eric Lauer matchup. Going to be the subject of my New York Post play for Wednesday, so 
I'm glad that you brought that up and you do an absolutely terrific job with everything that you do, Jason. You're over there with SBR, EK Sportsbook Review, Monday through Friday, doing a show over there. You also do a nice job with Odds Checker US. You do some stuff with the game day MLB. You're diving into college football as well. When college basketball rolls around, you're going to be an ace on the hardwood as well. So love the good people at home. Know what you've all got going on right now and how people are able to follow along on social media and other platforms. Yeah, you can follow me at Jason underscore Radowitz. On Twitter, I give out my best bet in the MLB every single day around you know, 5.30, 6 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, just so I can get the views on the MLB show before throwing it out on Twitter. So definitely make sure to check out that show Monday through Friday from 2.30, about 3.30 on the SPR YouTube page. And of course, I'm writing for Odd Checker and I'm writing for the game day. I'll also be writing for betting pros and got a lot of other things in store as well. So definitely follow me on Twitter for all the updates of my life and my articles and whatnot. Of course, you'll get the best bets from me as well. So all that on my Twitter page. Jason doing an absolutely terrific job handicapping the baseball card day in and day out. He's going to be doing a great job on the gridiron once we get football back into our lives. Does a great job with college basketball. Man just does a whole lot of things also well and is kind enough to join me on this podcast quite a bit as well. So big thanks to Jason Rideways for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast to give you sign turtle on every game on the betting board for this Wednesday. And a little something like call, touch them all. Welcome back to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson as we're off to a quality start. And now it's time to walk it off in a grand fashion. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Always a pleasure to have Jason Radowitz of SBREK Sportsbook Review joining the podcast. Does terrific work over there with a wide variety of other platforms as well, including Odds Checker US, doing some work with the game day MLB. And when it comes to college football and college basketball, it's going to be tearing it up there as well. So big thanks to him for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time the podcast. I give you a signed total on every game on the betting board for this wonderful Wednesday. And a little something I like to call touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed on my Twitter feed at JarenScorty1. We are going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we go with the National League games first, then the American League games, and then any interleague games are typically at the bottom, but we do have a couple added games due to rainouts with the Padres and the Atlanta Braves playing a doubleheader, and then the Red Sox and the Toronto Blue Jays wound up getting relisted on the bottom as well. So, got a lot of things going on here, but I'm going to do my best to be able to keep things in line, and we are going to be starting with a doubleheader. So, we're going to be going a little bit of out of rotation order just because I'm going to do both of these Padres versus Atlanta games together. 951, 952, and 979, 980 on the main board as it is the Padres on the road facing off against the Atlanta Braves. In game one, currently it's looking like Chris Paddock is going to be going for the Padres and Kyle Mueller is going to be going for the Bravos. Meanwhile, in game two, we know it's going to be Bryce Wilson going for the Atlanta Braves. No earthly idea who's going to be going for the Padres. you got to assume that you're going to get some form of a bullpen game here. If it does wind up being Paddock versus Mueller, I want to make in the Padres. About a minus 138 favorite. DraftKings has an initial line of minus 160 on the Padres, plus 140 on the Braves. So I'd be taking a look at the Braves in that spot. Draw on the game 7.5. The under is minus 120 and the over is even. If you do indeed wind up getting Paddock versus Mueller, I do think that that's a little bit too high of a total. I set this barely above 7, so out of 7.5, I'd be taking a look at the under as I set it at 
7.1. So if you wind up getting a 7, then I'd be in on the over. But you do take a look at this Padres offense. They were able to absolutely tear it up against the Washington Nationals. Going to be interesting to see how they wind up playing moving forward. But if you just take a look at the lineup that they wind up trotting out there on Tuesday... Every single one of the position players with at least a 319 on base, which is absolutely incredible. And then you've got Fernando Tatis Jr. He's got 28 home runs so far this year. Manny Machado, Tommy Pham, Jake Cronenworth, Trent Grisham. All guys hitting between a 268 and a 282. And then for the Atlanta Braves, they are trying to replace Ronald Acuna Jr. right now. Got a trio of guys. Abraham Amonte, Jock Peterson, Dansby Swanson. All in between a 230 and a 240. They brought in Stephen Vogt to be able to help out at the catcher spot as well for Jack Peterson. Double digit amount of homers so far this year. Dansby Swanson has been able to go deep 16 times. Freddie Freeman and Ozzie Albies. Both of these guys have north of a 490 slugging. Freeman entered into yesterday with 21 homers, hitting a 280. Has really been able to heat up ever since a little bit of a rough start to the year. You've got Ozzy Albies, Guillermo Heredia hitting between a 250 and a 260. And what I think is going to be very fascinating is how these bullpens wind up shaping up against each other. Because with Mueller along with Bryce Wilson, you can't expect a lot of length out of either of these guys. With Wilson, he has made a couple starts throughout his career. You take a look at what he's been able to do so far this year. He wound up last pitching at the major league level in May, but he did wind up going six and two-thirds innings. Now take that with a grain of salt because it was against the Pittsburgh Pirates, and this is a gentleman that over his last five starts has given up six home runs, so a little bit of an issue there. He has went four innings or fewer in two out of his last four starts, so going to be interesting to see what you get there. He's a little bit of an all-or-nothing pitcher. Meanwhile, with the Padres, they did wind up sending Miguel Diaz down to the AAA level, but Danielle Camarena is someone that I think is going to be able to give this bullpen some good innings. Emilio Pagan has been very solid for the team all year long, aside from the few homers they wound up giving up against the Washington Nationals. Pierce Johnson has been able to do the job. Mark Melanson currently leading the league when it comes to saves. And for the Atlanta Braves, Josh Shomlin has been able to pick it up a little bit in the bullpen. Tyler Magic has been able to give you some good innings, but Shane Green still sitting with north of a 9 ERA. Luke Jackson has been solid. Edgar Santana has come along for the ride as well, but I do take a look at Mueller. I think that it's an interesting spot with him going up against most likely Chris Paddock, and Paddock has actually got a better road ERA than he does a home ERA, and if you take a look at Mueller, he's made two appearances at home so far this year. 675 ERA. Opponents are at 308 off of him now. Small sample size, only six and two-thirds innings, but young 23-year-old don't necessarily have a lot of confidence in him. It's not like Chris Paddock is necessarily the world's greatest starter. He's got a 549 ERA, and he's been giving up right around 1.5 home runs per nine innings, but he's done a good job of cutting down on the walks, right around 2.1 walks per nine innings, 434 road ERA, 694 home ERA, which is the exact opposite of what you'd expect out of a San Diego Padres pitcher on the road. Has been giving up 1.6 home runs per nine innings, but opponents are hitting a 236 off of them at home. That's more than 80 points higher. So got some interesting splits there. If it winds up being that the Atlanta Braves are north of plus 140 underdogs in game one, I would be taking a shot on Mueller and company, and if you do wind up getting that 7.5, going to be taking a look at the under. If it winds up being a Padres bullpen game against Bryce Wilson, probably would be setting the Padres as more round, I would say, about a minus 130-ish favorite. So, similar line to what we have with Paddock versus Mueller. Probably going to be another situation which I'd be looking at an over with 7 or lower and a 7.5 for higher, we'll be taking a look at the under. Jump back in the morning, my Twitter feed at Jaren's one as we got some moving parts, but that's my initial looks at that. 953, 954 on the banging board. The New York Metropolitans hit the road face off against the Cincinnati Reds. We are on at Cincinnati, and we're on to Jeff Hoffman getting the start for them. Meanwhile, 
Marcus Roman is going to be on the bump for the Mets. Your total on this game is anywhere between 10.5 and, and 11. The 10.5 is over juice of minus 125. The under is plus 105. On the 11, under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Over is anywhere between even at minus 105. If you're looking at the Metropolitans, anywhere between minus 130 and minus 135 is your price on this. Meanwhile, the Red Legs are anywhere between plus 115 and plus 121. Jeff Hoffman making his first start in quite a while. And for Marcus Roman, he has been pretty rock solid all year long. I do give him quite a bit of credit, and this is a Mets bullpen that they've got the Reds bullpen completely outgunned now. Both of these bullpens wound up getting used up very significantly on Monday, but guys like Trevor May, Aaron Loop, Edwin Diaz, you gotta think that they're gonna be good to go on for the Cincinnati Reds. Ever since a good start, Josh Osich has really come back to earth. DJ Anton still on the injured list. Brian Brock is able to give you a couple innings, but guys like Ryan Hendricks, Amir Garrett, they have not been too terrific, and I will say this, for Marcus Stroman, he has been a bit better at home than he's been on the road, but still, despite the 3-4 and four road record for Stroman, he has been solid. 291 ERA. He has given up a little bit too much hard contact. He's given up seven homers in 58 and two-thirds innings, but he's also giving up right around two walks per nine innings. He's actually been able to get more strikeouts on the road than he has been at home, so find that to be a little bit fascinating. Meanwhile, you take a look at Jeff Hoffman. First start since May 26th, and he wasn't necessarily in great form prior to going on the injured list. 461 ERA overall for the year. He's given up a home run per nine innings, but he's also giving up nearly six walks per nine innings. That's a little bit of an issue. He has been better in Cincinnati rather than on the road. 662 road ERA and an 0-3 record. 3-1 at home with a 3-0-9, but still, I do think that that's going to regress a little bit as he is a bit more of a flyball pitcher. And you take a look at the Mets offense, all of a sudden, it has been able to erupt. You've got Peter Alonso, the home run derby champ in the middle. He's approaching 20 home runs right now. He, along with Jeff McNeil, you're able to throw in there James McCann, Dom Smith, who's been a little bit banged up in recent days. All these guys in between a 245 and a 262. Brandon Nimmo sitting above a 300. J.D. Davis, he's got a batting average above a 350, north of a 400 on base for he and Nimmo as well. Kevin Pillar hasn't necessarily been able to give you a whole lot of contact, but he has been able to go deep about once every 20 or so at bat, so he's giving you a little bit of something there. Now with the Mets, bullpen is going to be very badly taxed, as yesterday was a bullpen game for them. Meanwhile, with the Reds, they were able to get some length out of Wade Miley, which is going to be able to help them out. And you are dealing with, for the Reds, Nick Cassianos currently being a little bit banged up. Good news is, you've got a guy in Jesse Winker who has been very good for this team. Entered into yesterday, hitting right around a 300 with 19 homers. That's going to fly. Jonathan India has a 400 on base. And then you've got Joey Votto, Aresides, Aquino, Tucker Barnard, Long Trevor Stevenson. All these guys have at least a 340 on base. And Eugenio Suarez, despite the fact that he's hitting right around a buck 75, he has been able to give the team 18 homers. So you've got a little bit of a good position there but I just can't think that Jeff Hoffman is going to be able to go deep in this game. I think that Marcus Stroman is going to be able to give you six solid innings. I know that Stroman has not necessarily gotten a bunch of wins with a 6-8 and record, but he's pitched well enough to be a 10-win pitcher at this point. I take a look at this spot. I set the Mets more around a minus 160 favorite, so we are going to be riding with the Metropolitans in this spot. Set this all at 9.2 because I do think that the Mets are going to start to regress a little bit with their lineup. They have been on this massive heater. I don't know if they're going to be able to maintain it. I do think that Stroman is going to do a good job of shutting down the Reds, so the under along with the Mets. 955-956 on the betting board. The Arizona Diamondbacks are going to be playing us to the Pittsburgh Pirates. Right now, the betting board says to be determined. I am seeing Chad Cool on ESPN for the Pittsburgh Pirates. 
Mad Bum, Madison Bumgarner, are going to be going for the D-backs. Right now, only DraftKings has a number up on this game. Total is 9. Under is minus 115. The over is minus 105. If you're looking at the D-backs, you're finding them at minus 130. Plus 110 is your price on the Pirates. If you're giving me Jack Kua plus money, I'm going to take it. I feel like he should be a very, very slight favorite. This is pretty much a pick em, in my opinion, because with Chad Kuhl, he got off to a really rough start to begin the year, but ever since he's come off the injured list, he has looked very solid, and he's given up one run in four out of his last five starts. Now, the walks are an issue. He's given up at least three walks in three out of his last four starts, but he's keeping the ball in the yard. He's been able to generate a little bit more swing and miss recently than he did at the beginning of the year, so I do take a look at Chad Kuhl, and I think that he's going to do a good job against an Arizona lineup that you just don't have a lot of poppers. Going into yesterday, you had two guys with more than eight home runs so far this year. Eduardo Escobar has been amazing. 250 batting average, 22 homers. And then Joshua Doas. He's hitting at 265. He's been able to go deep 10 times. Got a couple other guys getting on base like uh, Josh Reddick has been able to do a relatively solid job. Paven Smith has been able to give you a little bit of something. But Paven Smith was out of the fold yesterday. If you take a look at this Arizona Diamondbacks lineup, you wound up having two players in the starting lineup yesterday that began the game with north of a 252 batting average. That's not where you want to be. And while the Pittsburgh Pirates certainly aren't masters of the midway, Brian Reynolds, Adam Frazier, along John Gosich, all wound up entering into yesterday's game, hitting above a 300. And then you've got Wilmer Defoe, who's been able to give this team some solid at-bats, hitting at 290 now. I will say this as well. You've got one guy in the Pittsburgh Pirates with a double-digit amount of homers. That's Mr. Reynolds with 17. Gregory Palanco has nine home runs so far this year. But he, along with Kai Tom, along with someone like a Michael Perez, a lot of guys hitting below a 215 for the team. Eric Gonzalez is someone that you're able to throw in that fold as well. But Cabrian Ace hitting at 270. He's a good up-and-coming prospect for the team. And the Pittsburgh Pirates just have such a better bullpen than the Arizona Diamondbacks. You've been able to get some very good innings out of guys like Richard Rogers, Jason Shreve. Now Kyle Crick currently on the 10-day injured list, but even a guy like a David Bernard has been able to step up for the team. And for the Arizona Diamondbacks, you've got a lot of guys that began the year as starters, went to the bullpen, went back to being starters, went back to the bullpen. So guys like Riley Smith, along with a Matt Peacock, Jake Feria, guys that you're looking for either for spot starts or long relief appearances. All these guys are just sort of out of sorts. Joe Manette Tipley has been able to give you a little bit of something out of the bullpen. He's got right around a 4 ERA, and he's probably your most trustworthy bullpen piece. Joaquin Soria has clearly washed up. Brett Guys has an ERA that is hovering right around 7. It's just a no-good, bad situation, with Chad Cool looking a little bit more solid. I will say, Madison Baumgartner, coming off the injured list, made his first start since very early June on Friday, was able to give up just two runs, one of which was earned over the course of six innings against the Cubs. He looked relatively solid, but we know this all year long. He has been a hot mess. 535 ERA for Mr. Madison Baumgartner. He's giving up right around 1.8 home runs per nine innings. He just doesn't look like the Madison Baumgartner of old. He's backed up by a really bad defense. So this is a situation where I wound up saying the Pirates has a very, very slight favorite in this spot. Also wound up saying this all at 8.9. So if we're getting a 9, I'm going to be taking a look at the under. If we get an 8.5, I'd be taking a look at the over. And pretty much any plus price with the Pittsburgh Pirates is good in my opinion. 9.57, 9.58 on the banking board. The Miami Marlins are going to be hitting the road face off against the Washington Nationals. Eric Fetty Wap is going to be going for the Nationals. It was supposed to be our good friend Sandy Alcantara going for the Miami Marlins. He is currently on the bereavement list, so 
we are most likely going to be getting a bullpen game. When it was Alcantara versus Eric Fetty, we were finding the Nationals between a minus 110 and a minus 115 favorite. You were getting the Marlins anywhere between even money and plus 105, and you were finding the total at 8 with the over, right around minus 115 to minus 120, under between even and minus 105. And this is a spot in which... With the bullpen game, I wound up saying the Marlins at plus 137 Nationals, minus 137 favorites in a bullpen game. Said the solo 8.8. So if we're still getting an 8.5 when things are adjusted with the Miami Marlins scratching Alcantara, I'll be taking a look at the over. If they set this at a 9 or a 9.5, I would be taking a look at the under. With the Miami Marlins, it's just anyone's guess as to what they're going to be throwing out there at this point. You've got to think that you're probably going to be seeing a nice dose of someone like a Richard Blyer, Yimi Garcia. Probably going to give you a couple innings. I wouldn't be surprised if Luis Mendero winds up giving you a couple innings. I know that he wound up getting called up in like May. He wound up getting the team a couple innings. There's someone that they've been high on in the minor leagues. So I think that he is a candidate to wind up getting a couple innings. Maybe an Andrew Bellotti as well. So you got a lot wide variety of options there. And for the Washington Nationals, over the last three days, this actually... The team that is scoring the most runs per game, but they're also allowing the most runs per game as well. As you take a look at the Nationals team, they're all of a sudden hitting, and they're hitting very well. You've got a backup catcher in Trace Padilla, who has been able to do a very solid job. He's sitting at 290 for the team. Josh Harrison, right around 355 on base, 285 batting average. Juan Soto, Trey Turner down for what? Alcides Escobar. All guys hitting in that pocket of about a 295 to a 325 with Soto. He has found his power once again. Five home runs in his first four games coming out of the All-Star break. That has been very good to find because the Nationals, they've been hitting well all year long. They lead the National League with regards to batting average. They just haven't been able to get those timely hits. Ryan Zimmerman has been able to give you a couple homers. Jody Mercer sitting at 270. But now that they've got Soto pounding out those homers, it really is helping shape this offense. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Miami Marlins. They are a little bit banged up. They want to play St. Garrett Cooper on the 10-day injured list a few days ago. Miguel Ross has been solved for the team. He, Jesus Aguiar, in between a 270 and 280, that is something that you'd like to find. And for Aguiar, along with Adam Duvall, both of these guys, north of 60 RBI, with Duvall, he's sitting right around 19 to 20 homers, Jesus Aguiar, 17 of them, so been able to get quite a bit of something there. You got some slugs with the bat, though. Jorge Alfaro, Joe Panic, Izan Diaz, Monte Harrison, whole bunch of guys are in below a 225 for this team, so that's been a little bit of an issue. Now, with the Miami Marlins at the Washington Nationals, I think that their bullpens are relatively comparable. With the Nationals, they've had to use their bullpen quite a bit ever since the All-Star break, but Danny Hudson, Brian Ann, these guys have been very solid for the team. Wonder, I swear, this guy sucks. Well, he sucks, but Austin Volta has been able to give you a couple good innings as well. With Eric Fetty going, it is a situation in which, are you going to get good Eric Fetty, or are you going to get awful Eric Fetty? So far this year, he's given up right around 1.4 home runs per nine innings. The big thing with him, four and a half walks per nine innings, that has been just unsightly bad. And with Eric Fetty, he has given up at least five runs in three of the team's last four starts that he's made for them. And he has given up at least three runs in each out of those last four. Prior to that, he was actually looking very good for the team. But when you have a stretch like that, it is just absolutely terrible. Like in the month of April, May, and June, he had an ERA below a 4-5 in all of them. And then in July, it's wound up ballooning to a 12-66. So he has certainly seen the best and the worst of times there. This is a spot in which I'm going to be setting the Marlins, like I said, as a plus-137 underdog. If you wind up getting a 9 or higher on this total, looking under in after I, you're going to be taking a look at the over 959-960 on the Megan board. These St. Louis Cardinals are going to be playing against the Chicago Cubs. Kyle Hendricks is going to be going for the Cubs. Adam Wainwright going to be going for the St. Louis Cardinals. Cardinals. 
find themselves as slight favorites. Anywhere between a minus 105 and minus 115 if you're looking at the Cubbies. Going to be getting them anywhere between minus 105 and plus 101. 8 is your total. Seeing a straight 8.5 out there as well. Under on that 8.5 is minus 130. The over is plus 110. On the 8, under is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. Same goes for the over. Wound up saying Wainwright and company as a minus 108 favorite personally. So, this is a spot in which I'm probably going to be taking a look at the Cardinals just because this is a spot in which Kyle Hendricks has been doing a better job of pitching for the Cubs and with the Cubs, it's really interesting to take a look at this team because you've got to feel like motivation is going to be playing a little bit of a factor with them. You've got to feel like these are guys that they don't want to be getting split up. They know that they're going to be split up, but at the same time, they're going to be going out guns blazing. And with Hendricks, 12 wins so far this year, but he's also given up a league-high 20 home runs so far this year, at least in the National League, American League. Well, congratulations, Mike fulton You've really given up the deep balls, but you take a look at Kyle Hendricks. He has given up right around 1.7 home runs per nine innings now. He has been very sharp recently. He has given up two runs or fewer in four out of his last five starts. This is typically also a gentleman that has pitched better at Wrigley Field than he has on the road. So far this year, on the road, a 6-1 record with a 3.40 ERA. I just feel like it's built on sand a little bit because opponents are at 2.72 off of them. Now the St. Louis Cardinals. This is an offense that has been anemic. They played right around 60% of their games under the total the last month and a half. It's just not necessarily been good news for them. But you take a look at this lineup. You've got Tommy Edmond, Yadier Molina, Umando Sosa, whenever he's out there, Harrison Bader, Dylan Carlson. All in between a 250 and a 260, Tyler O'Neill has been hitting more like a 275, 16 home runs for him. Paul Goldschmidt is really starting to pick it up. 16 homers so far this year. He went into yesterday having hit a home run in four out of his last five games. He is all of a sudden in Vigo, so that's something that you'd like to see him for the Chicago Cubs. They are dealing with a couple of injuries. They wind up training away Jock Peterson, which is why Rafael Ortega is right now getting some starts in the outfield. He and Chris Bryant in between a 260 and a 270. Patrick Wisdom getting a home run every nine at-bats is just absolutely incredible. He's hitting a 280. He's been out of tear. Javi Baez. Anthony Rizzo in between a 240 and 250. Rizzo has right around 11 homers so far this year. Javi Baez north of 20 homers, but he just doesn't necessarily walk a lot, doesn't necessarily move the line forward. Getting back Nico Horner is very good. And for the Cubs, overall, their bullpen is in the top eight when it comes to ERA, but a lot of guys have been failing this team recently. Rex Brothers has really regressed. Now, the good news is they're getting Dylan Maples off the injury list, but Ryan Tapera has had a little bit of a rough go of it recently. Dan Winkler is not necessarily holding the form. Now, Craig Kimbrell has been an amazing closer. On the other side, Alex Reyes has been doing an amazing job of closing as well. TJ McFarlane is trying to give the St. Louis Cardinals team some innings out of the bullpen. Not necessarily going well there. Genesis Cabrera, Giovanni Gallegos, these guys have been solid. But when you get into guys like Ryan Elsley, Luis Garcia... It's not necessarily been too terrific, but you do take a look at Adam Wainwright. He has been very good at home so far this year on the road. He has not necessarily been the same pitcher because for the road starts of Adam Wainwright, 535 ERA, 3-2 record, but he has given up 7 home runs in 38 and 2 thirds innings in St. Louis. 8 home runs given up in 73 innings. Opponents are at 206 off of him as well, so you've got a big giant stark difference with that, which is why I am going to be riding with the St. Louis Cardinals in this spot. When it comes to the total, I want to say this at 9.1. I do recognize that the Chicago Cubs are a team that they don't generate as many runs on the road as they do at home, but I just take a look at that bullpen regressing. I think that that's going to lead to the St. Louis Cardinals being able to bust out with the bats, so taking the over along with the St. Louis Cardinals. 961-962 on the betting board. You got the San Francisco Giants on the road facing off against the LA Dodgers. Julio Arias going to be going for the Dodgers. Logan Webb is going to be on the bump for the San Francisco Giants. 8.5 is your total. Over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. Under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 105. 
The Dodgers are anywhere between minus 174 and minus 180 favorites. Meanwhile, with the Yantes, you're going to be finding them anywhere between a plus 155 and a plus 161. All aboard the San Francisco Giants in this spot. I wound up saying them as plus 137 underdogs. Now, I will say for Mr. Julio Arias, he has seen in his last 14 starts, 11 of them go over the total. And one of those was that game in which he wound up against the Pittsburgh Pirates. It wound up getting shortened by a rain. So you need to check out your book. Wound up grading out that one for a lot of people. It wound up being a push slash a refund. So that is a little bit of a what you do. But the main crux here is that Julio Arias has actually been very much an over pitcher, despite the fact that he's been very good at 12 and 3 record. He has given up right around 1.3 home runs per nine innings. But you take a look at what he's been able to do. It has been very good for the Dodgers team. And he has been in very good recent form. He has given up when it comes to earned runs two or fewer in three out of his last four starts. And he has had many of those on the road. If you're taking a look at just his home starts, he has given up two earned runs or fewer in every one of his home starts ever since the beginning of the month of June. Overall for the season, he hasn't necessarily been as sharp at home, but that is in a little bit of a smaller sample size, 42070 RA at home so far this year. Opponents are running a 261 off of him, but he is generating right around 11 punch outs per nine innings. You take a look at low. Webb. He has been on the injured list for quite a bit, but in his two starts off the injured list, as one of combined seven innings, has given up just one run, so you can tell that the Giants are utilizing their bullpen quite a bit, and with the Giants bullpen, it is in the top six when it comes to ERA. You wind up getting back quite a few guys that you're looking to as well. It does look like they are going to be, unfortunately, putting back on the injured list scale. Barger, who has been able to do a good job all year long for the team, but Dominique Leon, Zach Liddell, these guys have been relatively solid. Jake McGee has had his ups and downs. He has been very good recently for the team, and then you take a look at the San Francisco Giants lineup. What is really key for them? Buster Posey is back, and he wound up having a good first game on Monday coming off of the injured list. Got a guy, Mikey Stremski, 14 homers, only a 235, but more like a 335 on base. Austin Dickerson, 233 batting average on base, well above a 300. Donovan Solano sitting at 275 for the same. Brandon Crawford being on the injured list along with Brandon Belter, it's no question, but Lamonte Wade hitting about a 250. Thario Estrada has been very good as well. Then you take a look at the LA Dodgers, each out of the top five hitters that were in the lineup yesterday. I'll have at least 11 homers so far this year. Chris Taylor, Justin Turner down for what? Max Muncy, Albert Pujols, along with A.J. Pollock. Pollock and Pujols, really the lone guys in this lineup that have a sub-300 on base. Pollock actually does have a greater than 300 on base. It's really just Albert Pujols. And then you take a look at Austin Barnes. He gets on base, but he's only right around a 200. You got to think that Will Smith probably going to get the start in this spot with Julio Arias going. And for the Dodgers, they have been dealing with a little bit of an injury to Mookie Betts. He has been missing the last few games. That's big because you saw Corey Seager currently on the 60-day injury list. It's going to be quite a while before he winds up coming back. And for the Dodgers, what I will say for this team is that they've got one of the best bullpen ERAs out there in the big leagues. I actually think that entering into Tuesday, it was number one. This is with guys like Phil Bickford, Victor Gonzalez, Joe Kelly and company being able to step up. I give them a lot of credit, but I do think that these guys are going to be regressing a little bit. I do like the Giants in this spot because I do think that Logan Webb is going to be able to give you a good start. And I do think that the Giants in general have a little bit more of a rested bullpen as well, given that the Dodgers have sort of had to mix and match with their starters the last couple days. Julio Arias probably going to be able to give you a couple good innings, but I do think that the Giants are going to get to them. I think that the Giants are going to be able to pull this one out. This is a total that I personally wound up setting at 8.2 because with not having Crawford in the lineup, that does take away a little bit of the power that the Giants have as they are actually leading the big leagues with regards to home runs per game on the road. So I'm going to be taking a look at this total under, and I'm going to be taking the plus price with the Yantes. 963-964 on the main board. The Tampa Bay Rays are going to be playing us to the ball 
Baltimore Orioles. Keegan Aiken is going to be going for the Royals. To be determined is right now listed on the betting board for the race. It looks like it's going to be our good friend, Michael. Waka, 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 as I use my dying Pac-Man voice for Mr. Waka. Currently, only DraftKings has a number up on this game. Total is 8, overs minus 115, the unders minus 105. Rays are minus 165 favorite, and the Orioles are finding themselves plus 145. And this is a situation in which I am going to be taking a look at the Rays. I want to send them as a $2 favorite. If you're taking a look at the run line currently at DraftKings, you're going to be finding a plus price with the Rays on that one. Currently seeing that at plus 130, so that is something that I'd be taking a look at because Keegan Aiken is just all sorts of terrible. Right now... ESPN has this as to be determined, and rightfully so, because if you wind up trotting out there, Keegan Aiken, you're not going to give yourself a chance. He is 0-5 with an 8-19 ERA. He is allowing right around 1.7 home runs per 9 innings, just under 4 walks per 9 innings. You take a look at what he's done recently. He's given up at least 4 runs in each out of his last 5 starts, going 4 and a third innings in every one of them. That is unsightly terrible. Meanwhile, with Michael Waka, it's not like he's necessarily the world's most trustworthy guy in the world. He himself is giving up just under two home runs per nine innings, but at the very least, he'll give you something. And in Tampa Bay, he's made seven total appearances, four starts, 390 ERA. He has given up four home runs at 27 and two-thirds innings. Opponents are at 238 off of him, so it's nothing great, but at the same time, it's livable, and he's backed up by a bullpen that's very good. J.P. Fireeyes and has been terrific for the team. Diego Casio, Andrew Kittrich. These guys are able to get the job done. And then you take a look at the Tampa Bay race. This is a team that they just value being able to get on base. You've got guys like Randy Orozarena sitting right around 250, but he's got a 333 on base. Wander Franco has not necessarily been able to find it at the major league level, and Brandon Lau and Mike Zanino are both hitting below a 225, but these two guys have a combined 40 home runs so far this year. Kevin Kiermeyer, he's got his batting average up to right around 245. I think that's really interesting what we're seeing out of Taylor Walls as well. Hitting a 220, but a 320 on base. G-Man Choi hitting a 255, 380 on base. You've got similar numbers with Yandy Diaz as well. And then for the Baltimore Orioles, double lineup has been very good for the team. Cedric Mullins, Trey Boomer, and Mancini along with Ryan Mountcastle. All these guys have been able to give you at least 14 home runs. In the case of Trey Boomer, Mancini, 16 home runs. Mullins at 16 as well. Mullins, 380 on base. Mancini along with Mountcastle hitting between a 245 and a 260 apiece. You then have Anthony Santander, Pedro Severino hitting in that pocket of about a 230. Ramon Urias has been able to hit a 280, but then you got some very big slugs with this team. DJ Stewart, Calvin Gutierrez, Chance Sisko, Austin Wins, Pafalakis, Stevie Wilkerson, Ryan McKenna, all hitting at 215 or lower for this team. Austin, the Sayes kid, hitting right around 250, but can't have a lot of faith in this bullpen of the Baltimore Orioles either. They brought back John Means yesterday. John Means wound up getting destroyed. You've got Cole Solzer, who's been able to give you a couple of good innings. Tanner Scott, Dylan Tate have been okay. Tyler Wells is someone that I think is actually able to develop, but you've got guys like Sean Anderson and Adam Blutko as long guys, and I think that you're probably going to need one because Keegan Aiken is absolutely terrible. So we're going to be taking a look at the run line in this spot of the Tampa. Bay race. This is the spot in which I'm going to be taking a look at the over as well as I wound up saying this total more in the neighborhood of about a nine and a half because I mean an eight it's just way too low with the way that the Baltimore Orioles are pitching so that's where we're looking at at this spot that is given that Mr. Waka 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 does end up pitching for the race. Now 965-966 is going to be moved down to the bottom 
This is going to be the Boston Red Sox versus the Toronto, a.k.a. Buffalo Blue Jays. Game 1 up getting rained out. We're seeing a little bit of a pitching change there, so we're going to be evaluating that at the end. 967-968 on the bang board. The Texas Rangers hit the road face off against the Detroit Tigres. It is going to be Jordan Lyles going for the Rangers. To be determined, is going to be going for the Tigers. Initial line here is the Tigers at minus 115 at DraftKings. Minus 105 on the Rangers. 9.5 is your total over and under. Both at minus 110. I really can't give you too much set because we have no earthly idea what's going to be happening with the Detroit Tigers. And as I'm doing this podcast, these are a pair of teams that are currently in a rain delay. So things might get very fascinating with this as well if you wind up getting like a double header or if you wind up getting who is supposed to be pitching for the Detroit Tigers on Tuesday going out there as well as as you were expecting Tyreek Skubal to go as well and if you wind up getting Skubal versus Lyles that's going to be a big edge to the Detroit Tigers and I will say this if it's a Tigers bullpen game well that's not necessarily what you want because the Tigers they have not been very good you don't want to be seeing Derek Holland get innings either Derek Holland is absolutely terrible. A 9.50 ERA. He's got starter experience and you don't want any part of it. He has given up six walks per nine innings. Now the good news is he's getting right around 11 strikeouts per nine innings, but gosh, this guy is terrible. They've actually been using the Tigers half. Kyle Funkhauser is a little bit of an opener. He's got a 2.34 ERA. He's made a pair of starts so far this year. It's not really going to go beyond, I would say, about two innings. If you're lucky, he'll give you a three, but he's actually been relatively solid. Irasimoto Miras is probably a guy that'll give you a couple innings as well. He's been used as a little bit of a long guy for three plus innings a few times. He's got right around a 5.5 ERA, so you're not looking at anything great there. And you know what else is not great? Jordan Lyles, 5-6 record, but a 5-20 ERA. Opponents have just been smashing him. 291 batting average for opponents. He's given up right around 1.9 home runs per nine innings. You take a look at him on the road. He's given up 14 home runs and 52 in the third innings, and he's got a 5.50 ERA. That is not too terrific right there. Now, he's actually getting swings and misses right around nine strikeouts per nine innings on the road compared to at home where he's not getting too many at all, but certainly not a spot where you want to be. Now, the Texas Rangers are at a spot where they want to be with Mr. Joey Gallo. Ever since the home run derby, he has yet to really be able to find it. He's got no home runs and a triple ever since then, but he has been able to do a very solid job over the last 21 days with north of 10 homers in that time span. Eidolis Garcia has been able to go deep 22 times so far this year, but he's got like six home runs over the team's last 55 days, so that's not necessarily too terrific. Eidolis Garcia along with Isaiah Kinnear Falefa and Nate Lowe are lying between a 254 and a 264. Charlie Goverson aiming more around a 245, and then you've got a couple guys that they do need to pick it up. You've got Jonah Heim, Nick Solak, both hitting right around a 230. Eli White along with someone in Andy Ibanez, both hitting below the Mendoza line of a 200. And then you take a look at the Tigers. All of a sudden, they've been able to bust out the bats. Akil Badu has been able to do a great job getting on base. He, Jameer Candelario, Robbie Grossman, all guys with between a 350 and a 360 on base. Akil Badu hitting right around a 280. Jonathan Scope is hitting at 285. 17 homers. Much of this has come after the month of June wound up beginning. He's been able to do a great job ever since then. Harold Castro hitting at 285 for this team, along with Derek Hill. So these guys have been able to give you a little bit of something. And then you take a look at the Texas Rangers. They've got a couple guys out there in the bullpen that I do like. Brett Martin has been able to give this team some good innings. Spencer Patton tore it up at the minor leagues. as right around 270 ERA in the majors. Joe Barlow has been able to give you a couple good innings. And Ian Kennedy, when you get into a safe situation, is very solid, but if it winds up being a bullpen game of the Tigers, that 9.5, I'm going to be taking a look at the over. If you wind up getting the bullpen game of the Tigers, I would probably be looking at the Rangers 
at a little bit of a plus price if I'm able to get it. If it winds up being Tyreek Skubal, if this game that has currently been delayed for over an hour as I record this winds up getting postponed and you wind up getting him, then I'm saying the Tigers as a big giant favorite. So check back in the morning my Twitter feed at JRS41 as we've got a developing situation as I record this. 969, 970 on the bank board. Houston Astros are going to be playing against the Cleveland Indians. Eli Morgan is going to be going for the Windians. Lance McGullis Jr. is going to be going for the Houston Astros. Astros are currently the biggest favorite on the board. Find them anywhere between minus 235 and minus 255. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Indians, you're going to be finding them anywhere between plus 205 and plus 224. Total on this game is 9. Overs anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Unders anywhere between even a minus 105. Talked about this a little bit with our good buddy Jason Radowitz and... While Eli Morgan has been absolutely terrible, I highlighted it. He's given up nine home runs to five walks so far this year. I mean, how often do you see a guy give up four more homers than walks in his first couple starts of his career? He is a guy that is not going to be left out there too long. And with the Cleveland Indians, they do have one of the better bullpens that you're going to find out there. James Karinczak has been able to do a great job for this team all year long. You've been able to get some good innings out of Nick Samlin. Brian Shaw is a guy with a sub-3 ERA. Heck, you've been able to get a whole lot of something out of Emmanuel Classe, who's got right around a 2-1 ERA. So these guys have been solid. Meanwhile, the Houston Astros bullpen, it's a little bit shaky. Brian Presley has been very good as a reliever for the scene. Blake Taylor, Ryan Sanick, they're able to give you a couple solid innings. Joe Smith, someone that you want absolutely no part of. I'm not necessarily buying into Brandon Belak as well. He's got right around a 6-ish ERA. He's more or less a break glass in case of emergency long guy. And you take a look at Lance McCullers Jr. For his career, he's got a ERA that's about a point and a half lower at home than it is on the road, but he's actually been better on the road than he's been at home so far this year. 5-0 record with a 2.66 ERA on the road, which I find to be absolutely baffling. 2.93 ERA and a 2-2 record at home. He deserves a better home record for one. He's only given up three home runs in 46 innings. Bonus earning a buck 79 off of him when he's been at Houston, so he's been able to do a good job, but I do take a look at this Indians offense and it is reinvented because you now have Framiel Reyes back in the fold. He, along with Amid Rosario, Harold Ramirez, only between a 265 and a 280 for the team. And for Reyes, he's going deep once every about 13 or so at bats. Jose Ramirez wound up getting the day off yesterday. Should be good to go in this one. Hitting right around 260-19 home runs. He has been solid now. You've got a couple guys that they need to pick it up with regards to their batting average. Yu Chang, Austin Edges, Ernie Clement. You're able to throw in there. Young outfielder Daniel Johnson all in below the Mendoza line of 200. But Bradley Zimmer all of a sudden has been able to hit 240. He's hit a pair of home runs ever since the All-Star break. Bobby Bradley starting to see some regression. But then you take a look at the Houston Astros. This is an almighty lineup. Kyle Tucker, Carlos Correa, Yoli Gurriel, Michael Brantley, Jose Altuve, Jordan Alvarez. All hitting at least a 265. All these guys aside from Tucker, at least a 350 on base. All these guys aside from Brantley, at least 10 homers. They have been absolutely amazing. Miles Straw hitting a 260 for this team as well. He has been solid. Just imagine what's going to happen when Alex Bregman winds up coming back for this Astros team. So they are locked and loaded there. But I do think that the Indians are going to probably get Eli Morgan destroyed. But I think that their bats are going to be able to get to Lance McCullers Jr. I do think that the Indians have a very good advantage out there in the bullpen. I think that the Indians should be a sizable underdog. North of $2, I disagree with. I want him saying this at plus 189. So I'm going to take a plus price here with the Indians. Set the total 9.8 as well. I do think that both of these offenses will get going. So going to be taking the over along with the Indians. 971-972 on the betting board. The Chicago White Sox are going to be playing on the Minnesota Twins. Michael Pineda hopes to not be Michael Pineda for the Minnesota Twins. Meanwhile, Dylan Cease and Deceased is going to be going for the 
White Sox. White Sox between minus 127 and minus 135 favorites. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the plus price with the Twins, any work between plus 115 and plus 129 is your total. Over is any work between minus 115 and minus 120. Under is any work between even and minus 105. I wound up sending Mr. Cease as a minus 154 favorite. Michael Pineda has not looked like himself so far this year. In recent years, he's done a good job of being able to limit the deep ball. That has not been the case so far this year. He's given up right around 1.6 home runs per nine innings. Command is still there. He's given up right around two walks per nine innings, but this is also gentlemen that on the road. Small sample size, three starts. He hasn't been banged up. 540 ERA. Bonus earning at 278 off of him, so that's not necessarily too terrific. And for Pineda, this is going to be his second start since June 13th, and his first start was, ironically enough, against the White Sox. He gave up 12 hits and five runs in five and a third innings. That does not elicit any confidence whatsoever. Meanwhile, you take a look at Mr. Dylan Cease. He has been giving up a little bit of something recently. He's given up at least two runs in each of his last five starts, but approximately two in three of those, and the strikeout numbers are there. At least six punch-outs in each of his last five starts. He is giving up the deep ball a little bit. Five home runs given up in his last four starts. Walks are a little bit high. Give it up right around 3.9 walks per nine innings, but he is backed up by a White Sox team that, despite the fact that they've got guys all sorts of banged up, they have still been able to pump out the offense. Yo Mankata, a 400 on base. Adam Engel, Brian Goodwin, pair of guys out there in the outfield, hitting between a 260 and a 270. Lori Garcia, hitting right around 250. Tim Anderson, batting champ from 2019. He's hitting well above a 300. He's been able to give this team quite a few homers for a White Sox team that they're actually towards the bottom of the league when it comes to home runs per game, but Jose Abreu entered into yesterday with north of 70 RBI. And for the Minnesota Twins, the offense is there for this team. Luis Arise is hitting a 300 at the top of the fold. You've got a couple guys that are coming back for this team as well. You wound up having Max Kepler along with Mitch Garver on the injured list for quite a while. They are back in the fold. Nelson Cruz is approaching 20 homers. He's hitting a 300. Josh Allison, he's hitting a 250 with a 350 on base. Entered into yesterday with 14 homers. Miguel de Sano, his power has really regressed recently, but still has 15 home runs overall this year. He is approaching the Minnows line 200 as well, so been able to get a little bit of something there, but for the Minnesota Twins, no faith whatsoever in this bullpen. Jorge Alcala is someone with a 454 ERA. Alex Colomay has been a big, giant waste of money. Juan Manaya is not a guy that elicits confidence despite his 370 ERA. Caleb Thielbar has right around a 4.6 ERA. You're just not able to find much of anything with the team. Meanwhile, you take a look at the White Sox. You have been able to get quite a bit of something out of Ryan Burr. He's got right around 1 ERA. Aaron Bummer has happened himself since coming off the injured list. Garrett Crochet has had his ups and downs since the beginning of the month of June, but Cody here has been good for the team along with Jose Ruiz as well. So I do take a look at this White Sox team. I think that they should be pretty sizable favorites in the spots. We're going to be riding with them. Also, wound up saying this all at 9.2 with Michael Pineda's struggle since coming off the injured list. So, taking the over along with the White Sox. 973, 974 is the New York Post play today. Is you've got the Kansas City Royals on the road facing off against the Milwaukee Brewers. Eric Lauer is going to be going for the crew. Brad Thunderkeller is going to be on the bump for the Royals. Dallas games 9.5. Unders anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Overs anywhere between even and minus 105. Brewers anywhere between minus 161 and minus 165. Favorites plus price on the Royals anywhere between plus 145 and plus 151. And the New York Post play today is going to be the over. Set the soul at 10.2. With the Milwaukee Brewers, they were number four in the big leagues coming into the series with regards to runs per game over the last three days. This is an offense that by and large has not necessarily been too terrific as they still have the worst batting average out there in the National League, but William Thomas has been able to give this team a little bit of something, and I was talking about it with Matt Paula yesterday. Whenever you have Colton Wong in the fold, it is big at the leadoff spot. He's sitting right around 290, not necessarily giving you a ton of power, but he just does a good job as a table setter in general for this team. Obviously, Garcia has been able to give this 
18, 17 homers. He's hitting at 260 along with Willie Adams who's hitting right in that pocket overall for the year. But in Milwaukee, he's been hitting more of like a 285. You've got Christian Yelich who is still stuck on six home runs. I've got to feel like he's going to be able to turn it around. Still has nearly a 400 on base for this team. You've been able to get a little bit of power out of Luis Urias. 13 home runs so far this season. Only right around a 245, but more like a 330 on base. Now, you got a couple guys that they do need to pick it up. Rowdy Tellez, Jackie Bradley Jr., Manny Pina, Kessin Ipipira. And Kessin Ipipira is more like Kessin Ipipu because all these guys hitting a 210 or lower, but Omir Nervais is right around 390 on base as well. And for the Kansas City Royals, you do have a couple guys that are doing a good job for you. Andrew Benatendi, along with Salvador Perez, Whit Merrifield, Nicky Lopez, all in between a 270 and a 280. And for Salvador Perez, 21 homers, 56 RBI. He is able to do the job there. Now, you need to get Ori Soler going. He and Hunter Dozier, hitting below the Middles line of 200, Ryan Broom is a guy that you're able to throw in there as well. And for Soler, I mean, my goodness, he's got eight home runs so far this year after he had 48 in 2019. So that has been a big issue. But he did go deep yesterday, so that's a little bit of something. And then you take a look at the Royals. Their bullpen ERA has been the worst in the American League over the last three days. Jake Brent, Scott Barlow have been relatively solid for you. Josh Samount, after a good start to begin the year, he has not been himself recently, and Barlow wound up getting used up for 19 pitches yesterday. Kyle Zimmer now has a 3.55 ERA after he looked relatively solid at the beginning of the year. Ryan Lovelady is absolutely terrible. Now, the Brewers' bullpen ERA has been one of the best out there in the big leagues, and you do have Josh Shader to be able to pair along with Devin Williams, but I do take a look at Eric Lauer as well. This is someone that over his last six appearances in Miller Park, as north of a 5 ERA, he's given up right around 1.7 home runs per nine innings, nearly four walks per nine innings, and for Brad Keller, he leads the league in walks and hits surrendered. That is not necessarily what you want. You just take a look at the games in general. The Kansas City Royals, in four out of his last five starts, have surrendered at least six runs. Uh, has not necessarily been too great. You take a look at Brad Keller in general. He's given up right around 1.3 home runs per nine innings. And on the road so far this year, he's actually been a little bit better with a 5.03 ERA as he has given up seven home runs in 53 and two-thirds innings and opponents on the road hitting a 3.13 off of him. There's just nothing I can take a look at to have any confidence here in Brad Keller. I want to say the Brewers as right around a minus 170-ish favorite. If you're taking a look at the run line in this spot, I see it at anywhere between a plus 115 and a plus 120. I'll take that Brewers run line. I was willing to take it pretty much if it was plus money because I do think that this is going to be a higher scoring game. Set this all north of 10, so the New York Post today is the over, and I'm going to take the Brewers on the run line. 975-976 on the way where the Seattle Mariners hit the road to face off against the Colorado Rockies. Austin Yomber is going to be going for the Rockies. Good old to be determined is going to be on the bump for the Seattle Mariners. Initial line for DraftKings, not knowing who the Mariners are going to be going with. Mariners a minus 135 favor, plus 115 on the Rockies. Your total is 12 with the under at minus 115 and the over is at minus 105. I actually like Austin Gomber. Gomber has been able to do a good job all year long at home just whenever he's been able to not give up a whole bunch of walks. It's always been a little bit of a bugaboo for him, but you take a look at Austin Gomber. He's made 15 starts so far this year. This will be his first start since the middle of June, but this is a guy that in his last four starts prior to going on the injured list gave up a combined three runs and has actually been very good at Coors Field. In his home start, six in total so far this year at Coors Field. Buck 48 ERA, a 3-1 record. He's allowed one home run in 30 and a third innings. Now, the walks can be a little bit unsightly with him as he has given up 23 walks in 78 and a third innings. But, I mean, still, that's not necessarily too bad. Opponents are a buck 67 off of him in Coors Field as well. With the Seattle Mariners, 
it is anyone's guess as to who they're going to be trotting out there because you've got a couple of trustworthy guys. Logan Gilbert has been able to do a good job for this team, but is this a situation in which you wind up going with Eric Swanson? I know he's got a little bit of starting experience and he's got a 0.61 ERA, but you want to buy his pitching on Saturday, so if you do wind up having him go out there, you're going to get nothing more than I would say about three innings out of him, and then you wind up turning it over to guys like Keenan Middleton who you really don't want, and Rafael Montero with his 7 ERA, JT Chargois. So, you got a little bit of a situation that's going on there, and for the Seattle Mariners, they've got the worst batting average right now in the big leagues. You take a look at the lineup that they wound up trotting out there on Tuesday, and you wound up having three guys with a batting average north of a 215. J.P. Crawford and Ty France are both hitting a 275. Mitch Anniger hitting a 265. Entered into yesterday with 22 homers. And then from there, you wind up giving a start to a guy in Cal Raleigh, who literally has a zero batting average as I currently record this. Jared Kelnick, Dylan Moore, Shed Long, Jorge Mamaloes, Taylor Trammell. All guys hitting below the Mendel's line of a 200. Then you take a look at the Colorado Rockies. Their home batting average is hovering right around 275. They've got the best home batting average out there in the big leagues. They've got the worst road batting average out there in the big leagues. You take a look at these guys like a CJ Crone. He has been able to hit 10 home runs at Coors Field so far this year. On the road, he's done nothing. He, Ryan McMahon, Garrett Ampson, along Trevor Story for the year, hitting between a 240 and a 255 overall, but most of these guys are hitting north of a 280 whenever they've been at home. Josh Fuentes hitting a 239 overall at home. He's hitting well above a 300, so it's the Coors Field effect, and for the Colorado Rockies. Bullpen has actually been relatively decent at home. You've now got Michael Givens off the injured list. Daniel Bart has been able to give you some good innings. Zach Roscup is the guy that is going to be a little bit of an experiment, but Justin Lawrence is able to throw 100 miles per hour. And for the Seattle Mariners, got to figure it's going to be a little bit of a bullpen game. I'm probably going to be taking a look at the Colorado Rockies as a favorite if I wind up getting this plus price. I'm going to be taking a look at that. This is probably going to be a spot in which I'm going to be looking at a 12 under if it winds up presenting itself because I do think that Gomber, despite the fact that he was on the injured list for quite a bit, is going to be able to give you a couple good innings, turn it over to a bullpen that has been better at home than it has been on the road, and is facing off against a Mariners team in which you literally had three guys in the starting lineup yesterday hitting above a 215. 977, 978 on the big board. It's the Philadelphia Phillies in the road to face off against the New York Yankees. It was looking like Matt, give me some more. It was supposed to go for the Philadelphia Phillies. Looks like we might be getting a bullpen game from them, and it's going to be Asher Wojciechowski is going to be going for the New York Yankees. Currently at DraftKings, you're seeing the Yankees at minus 155, plus 135 on the Phillies. Nine is your total, over is minus 120, and the under is even. I can't believe I'm saying this. If we do wind up getting this Phillies bullpen game because it was supposed to be Matt Moore, I really don't see a whole heck of a lot more of a difference between Matt Moore and a bullpen game of the Philadelphia Phillies. That's how bad Matt Moore is. I'd be taking a look at the Phillies on this price, and I'm certainly going to be taking a look at the over. I was mentioning it with Jason Radowitz, Wojciechowski. Not a guy that I want to have any faith in whatsoever. He has pitched throughout his career 198 innings. He has given up 44 homers and 69 walks in that time. I mean, it is absolutely terrible what he's doing. You take a look at him in 2020. He wound up making 10 total appearances, 7 starts. They lasted a combined 37 innings. He gave up 11 homers and 15 walks in that time. And opponents did a 308 off of him. There's just no faith that you can have whatsoever in him. And for the Yankees, this is a team that they're already depleted with the bullpen. They got Zach Britton back. That is going to be able to help them out. But Jonathan Lewis, guys, currently dealing with COVID-19. Wadi Peralta out of the fold as well. You've got Darren O'Day, who's now out for the year. Aroldis Chapman has been a hot mess. So that means... Brooks Krisky is probably going to be someone that you're relying upon. Now, you could wind up bringing back Chad Green in this spot. He'll be able to give you a couple good innings. Albert Abreu is someone that I think is going to be able to give you a couple good innings as well. And then you take a look at the Philadelphia Phillies. 
Got a feeling this is going to be a spot in which you wind up seeing a couple innings from Ranger Suarez, who has been tremendous out of the bullpen. Buck 22 ERA. He has been absolutely great for them. Christopher Sanchez might wind up getting a couple innings. Not a big sample size, but he's got right around 2 ERA. Archie Bradley is probably going to give you a couple innings as well. I remember they wound up giving him a start a few years ago with the Arizona Diamondbacks, and it just went horribly wrong, so hopefully you don't wind up getting him a start. He has given up a little bit of hard contact, giving up right around 5 walks per 9 innings, but still 320 ERA. So it's coming off the injured list. He's been relatively solid. And then you just take a look at this New York Yankees lineup. Who's going to be able to hit for this team? I mean, the top guys, you've been able to get a little bit of something out of John Carlos San. He's giving you a 255 batting average. Overall, for the year, he's got 15 home runs, but you take a look at what he's done recently. He has got one home run so far this month, and for that matter, he's got two home runs since June 17th, so it has not necessarily been going too well there. And then you just take a look at the rest of the lineup. Glaber Torres, he's got six home runs so far this year. He's hitting a 240. Greg Allen is hitting right around 500. Well, that's great because he's giving you only a couple at-bats, but you're going to be relying upon Estevan Florell along with Tyler Wade. It wound up being the first start in quite a while for Rob Brantley, a 32-year-old who I literally never heard of before he wound up starting a catcher for the Yankees yesterday. Brett Gardner is hitting below the Mendoza line of a 200. And for the Phillies, you've got your full complement of guys. Gene Segura is hitting above a 3-arm for the team. Didi Gregorius, the former Yankee, he's only hitting about a 220 so far this year, but he's able to give you a little bit of something. To my surprise, Travis Janikowski is hitting well above a 300 right now in limited at-bats. Andrew McCutcheon's only hitting a 230, but 16 homers on base percentage right around 350. Reese Hoskins, 20-plus bombs so far this year. Bryce Harper has been able to go deep 15 times, but 14 of those have been solo homers. you got to feel like that's going to level out a little bit. 380 on base with him. GG Remuto is hitting at 270. Even with a bullpen game of the Philadelphia Phillies, if you're giving me plus money here with them, I'm going to be taking that. And oh, by the way, if you're giving me a 9, I'm going to be taking that. I would probably take a 10.5 over with a Phillies bullpen game against Asher Wojciechowski, despite the fact that you've got a Yankees lineup that is absolutely putrid right now on their last leg and everything like that. So check back in the morning my Twitter feed at JarenScorey1. We've got a lot going on here, but probably going to be looking at the Phillies ending over. And we wrap things up with 981-982 because 979-980 was part of that Padres versus Atlanta Braves double dip. And this is now the Boston Red Sox against the Toronto Blue Jays. Right now, I am seeing Garrett Richards against Robbie Ray for this matchup. This is very much subject to change. And this wound up just coming on the betting board as I started recording this. It was supposed to be Robbie Ray against Santa Hook. I wound up making Robbie Ray in that spot a minus 157 favorite against Santa Hook. Against Garrett Richards, I'd probably make him more like a minus 170 favorite. I honestly think that Hook would be better than Garrett Richards in this spot. Garrett Richards is a guy that I have absolutely no faith in whatsoever. He should probably have at this point like a 70 RA with all the contact that he is giving up. 5-5 five and five record for Richards, 491 ERA. The big thing with him is that he's given up 1.1 home runs per 9 innings, but 4.2 walks per 9 innings. Opponents are hitting a 301 off of him on the road. That actually goes down to a 270, and he's actually a bit better away from Fenway, but with that said, away from Fenway, he's also giving up a little bit more of the deep ball. He's given up more like 1.4 home runs per 9 innings. His walks per 9 whenever he's away from Fenway is right around 4 per 9 innings, so it's certainly not been great there. Now, I will say for Robbie Ray, he gives up a lot of hard contact himself and out there in this ballpark of Buffalo that is not necessarily too terrific right around 1.7 home runs per nine innings but he's been able to persevere all that and he has not given up a home run in any of his last two starts. Last two starts now was against the Rays and the Texas Rangers but a combined 13 and two-thirds innings. Five hits, no runs allowed. He has looked absolutely amazing and the big thing with Robbie Ray throughout his career he's been giving up right around four walks per nine innings. 
so far this year, more like 2.3 walks per nine innings, and he's still getting punch outs, right around 12 strikeouts per nine innings, so he's been absolutely amazing with that regard. And then you just take a look at this Toronto Blue Jays lineup. It has been absolutely terrific all season long. You've got a guy, Marcus Simeon, who's got 23 homers. He's hitting right around a 280. Bobachette, along with Tasker Hernandez, are both hitting a 295 for Bichette. He has been able to give you 16 home runs. Flagger Jr., 430 on base, 31 bombs, 78 RBI. George Springer is starting to find it once again. Randall Gritchick, Lawrence Gurriel hitting between a 260 and a 270. Throwing there, Reese McGuire as well. Kevon Biggio wound up going deep on Monday, so got a lot of guys that you like there. Meanwhile, for the Boston Red Sox, how about Xander Bogarts? along J.D. Martinez, both hitting above a 305 for J.D. Martinez. 19 home runs, north of 60 RBI. Xander Bogarts, he's been able to go deep 15 times so far this year. Rafael Devers is hitting at 280, 23 homers, 73 RBI. So you've got a lot of firepower there. Alex Verdugo, Hunter Renfro, Kevin Pilecki, you're able to throw in there. Christian Arroyo, I believe that he's a little bit injured right now, but all those guys in between a 260 and a 275 as well. Kike Hernandez wound up going deep twice in the game on Monday as well. So you've got a lot of guys here able like there and with the rain out yesterday both bullpens were able to get a little bit more wind in their sails as well for the Blue Jays. Ryan Baruki is back for the team. That'll give them a little bit of something. Trevor Richards is relatively solid for them. Jordan Romano, Taylor Sacito. These guys have been able to give you some solid innings. And for the Red Sox, I do think that there's going to be some bullpen regression with this team. Our Winston Hernandez is starting to show some chinks in the armor. You've got here to Kazusa who's been able to do a relatively solid job for this team. Garrett Woodlock has been a very good two-inning guy. He's got right around a buck 40 ERA. Brandon Workman, though, don't have a lot of faith in him. 430 ERA. Yaxa Rios is someone that I think is going to start to have his issues, and then you've got a guy in Matt Barnes who wound up not looking so great in the All-Star game. I think that he's going to have a little bit of a rough second half as well. When it was Ray versus Hook, I wound up saying this sort of at 10.2. This is a situation with Ray versus Garrett Richards in which I'd be starting to take a look at the under at 11.5. And 11.5 or higher, going to be taking a look at the under. 11 or lower, going to be taking a look at the over. Check back in the morning my Twitter feed at Jaren's41. But if it is indeed Ray versus Richards, going to be setting the Blue Jays right around a minus 170 favorite. Probably more like a minus 168-ish, but somewhere in that pocket. And that'll wrap things up for the Baseball Betting Podcast. On this Wednesday, a big thanks to Jason Radowitz of SBR, AK Sportsbook Review, for joining me in the last segment. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, you're able to subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, one of two ways we will fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at Jaren's41. Keep in mind, the letters DM, they mean does not matter. So as per usual, send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to send your questions, comments, segment ideas, what have you in there. I'll be coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season, which means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.